You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, how you doing? Good to be back. Welcome back, David Hall. Do we really get to call Brian usual yet? Well, second time, Tony Groves. Uh, evening, gentlemen. All right, welcome everybody. And we'll be having Evan Pasoko be joining us, but first we're gonna talk spa. David, tell us what happened. Well, it went off a lot better than Lamont did. I can definitely tell you that. In fact, our group had a really good run. Me and Tom got together with our Elite West teammate, Richie Hearn, and also recruited a couple of the guys that, that I race a lot with in Le Mans series, Douglas Cloud and David Burgess. We had put together a five-man team so we didn't have to really stretch anybody's schedule. Picked the car. Doug had an idea of which car felt the best to him. We ended up with running with that one. Turned out it had a really good... Uh, um fuel mileage too we were getting 27 laps to everybody's 24 and that literally saves two pit stops over 24 hours uh and even with a couple of pit road mistakes by one of the team members uh we had a third place finish it was it was exciting and mostly clean and i think somebody was saying if you might not have had those mistakes you probably would have had second yeah we were only about a minute behind the uh second place guy when we finished so um, the it wasn't me, but the fella had a an unsafe pit entry and a speeding because the for some reason the pit limiter didn't kick in. Um, so it did well. We actually called the team Tafosi Plus. It's kind of a a uh, homage to the service formerly known as Google Plus. I guess we could. I guess there's Disney Plus now, isn't there? Richie Hearn. The former IndyCar driver who's uh, run at the Indy 500 several times. Yeah, um, and his he had the fastest lap, obviously. Um, we were all very consistent. That was what was really good about it. None of, all of us just kept it on the track. You know, that, that any of the 24-hour races, that's one of the most important things. Uh, but Richie had an in, insanely fast lap compared to anybody else. He was popping 19s off left and right and actually he had the fastest mclaren time of any mclaren in all splits yeah it's pretty exciting you guys get to run with him uh you know pretty cool i saw something on twitter uh, a team spat uh spilled on the twitter now we have a link but it looks like the twit has been deleted the tweet has been deleted but uh by recall it was kind of funny the guy he was supposed to run with his team and he decided he didn't want to risk his I rating. And so he kind of just told them no. And, and it put him in a pickle apparently. And, uh, they were having this conversation on Twitter and then he's like, I've quit the team. He said, no, we let you go. And they put out like a press announcement about, yeah, we're sorry to part ways with so-and-so. And it was funny. I, I guess I should screenshot that stuff. instead of just grabbing the link. Yeah. yeah, that uh, link was deleted uh, a few days later, I think. So I could, I, w I went to look at it myself, and, and it had been deleted already. 
Now, we did talk about, um, I think last time we talked about, they did a test to see if the longer registration would open. That seemed to go pretty well. Uh, Tom registered us and made sure we got in. Uh, Everything ran pretty smoothly. Um, And then we also have a couple of links here showing off some pictures featuring the HDR effect with the sun in your eyes, which I don't see because we, we have that turned off in VR. I actually, I have that. I I do run HDR on my uh, VR system and you can, there's some times when the sun is set low where you are completely blind going around a turn or something like that. It's, it's always really bad in California on the back straight, but it, it, you can barely see a thing. It's so bright and so blinding, which it's kind of realistic that way. And I understand why somebody might not want to run it because it can be seriously, it could be dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I, I think it's very realistic. I, when I saw the screenshot, I was like, wow. And then there's another uh, screenshot by William Esports. They put up one. Uh, and I swear it looks like a painting. I mean, the way the, it's a sunset, you know, and uh, the clouds and the colors. And it does not look like iRacing at all. Amazing photo. So we also have some stats here for you, posted by Rob Crouch. I'm taking a quick glance to see if this stats at the top are actually the overall, and I think they are. This includes all three different start times, I believe. There was, getting back to the top, uh, 1,677 teams total, Uh, 5.8 thousand drivers. 500, um, almost 600 of the teams drove the Ferrari, and another 450 drove the BMW. Interestingly, only 39 teams drove the McLaren, and we were one of those 39. And only 11 drove the Ford. 642,000 laps were completed with 152,000 incidents. That's some big numbers, wow. Huge numbers, that's that's really cool. Yeah, and the top split... on one of the splits or on one of the start times was 2382. That's not very high, but the way the splits get set, um, we talked about it last time in our race, though the lower I rating guy did actually get in the car. We had immediately somebody show up in our split with a 7,000 I rating, just start popping laps off in practice. Yeah. He's got a breakdown by split, like the podium finishers and whatnot of all the splits and uh it's quite a document that he's put together here so that if that's the case uh we should be in there somewhere yeah it's like uh probably 25 pages at least so uh good luck finding it did not make the cleanest drivers list <laughs> all right well let's keep moving on uh tony grows we got a second split nis broadcast yeah, this, uh, I guess, F5 Motorsports will be broadcasting uh, the second split NIS races for the rest of the season. Um, they're doing that on Facebook. So just look up F5 Motorsports on Facebook. Um, I don't even, I don't understand. <laughs> second split is a, you know, I, I don't understand if it was top split. And then I also get, like, the bottom split, guys, because that's just, you know, pure comedy for the most part. Um they must have uh, F5 Motorsports must have a few guys running the, the second split. Is that the deal yep. or do you guys even know? Okay. Yeah, that yeah makes there's sense. a bunch of them in there. Okay. And uh, yeah, speaking of bottom split, 
are those guys still doing it? I haven't heard nothing. And I don't know if I, if they started the season out and then faded off. I thought I heard them kind of poking their heads up, but those guys were funny. I don't know if I've seen that, but I've been watching occasionally the Friday night uh, top split one. That's That's been very entertaining. But this one, I, I think will be even better entertaining because I'm likely to be in it. So I'm uh, anxious to see uh, what they put up. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out for you there, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go into release notes for the beta UI. They put out a release, and uh, let's take a look if there's anything we need to talk about. The loading screen, uh, the size of it has been increased for improved readability. Uh, the informative loading text has been moved to the bottom. So just little stuff like that. I guess everything's fixed and ready to go. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, it worked good for Spa anyway. What about this new uh, episode one, iRacing Twitch Clips? Uh, they put out this video, iRacing did, 4 minutes, 47 seconds. And it's kind of like the, you know, top 10 thing, but it's actual uh, Twitches and, you know, their people's actual streams where you can see their face off in the corner and that kind of thing. And uh, it's it's very interesting because it's a different kind of top, five, uh, top 10 kind of uh, uh, flavor to it, so to speak. I wonder how they get their submissions for that. Well, it's a episode one, so they probably went looking for them, but uh, I haven't seen anything asking for submissions. This isn't the first group to do this either, because I've been in one of these, but it was, I guess, made by somebody else. I, I got to tell you, I, I was very entertained watching this. Um, some of them were, were very funny. Um, the second one, where the guy spins out at the at the launch of his uh, formula race, he just spins out, and they dub it with some sad music with a, a sullen look on the guy's face. It, it, it was pretty amusing. Yeah, and then there's a girl at uh, 2 minute 50 seconds uh, trying to get around the track and put in some a qualifying lap or something, but her dog gets right up in her face and is like licking her, uh, her her face, you know, top to bottom while she's trying to get around the track and it's just not working. It's kind of hilarious. Even the, the first, the very first one was funny too, where the guy was, uh, he had a spotter in his ear and uh, he, he came around the corner and there was a car stopped on the track and the spotter didn't give him a heads up and he kind of berates him a little bit about the jobs of a, of a uh, spotter. It was, it was a funny too. Yeah, I like this. I'm looking forward to uh, additional episodes on this one. Um, it's kind of neat to see, uh, you know, streamers I've never even heard of or seen before. And uh, and uh, there's one that they actually uh, featured that I went and found and, and hit a follow on just so I could see some see what's up. Yeah, I hope they keep that up. It, it, it was entertaining. OK, we got a big announcement, Brian. You get it. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, dirt fans out there, hope you guys are happy because there's a new track in the in process. It's a Weed Sport uh, Park. It is a three eighths mile um, dirt track. The actual track is located in Kaya uh, Cayuga in uh, Weed Sport, New York, and that's going to be the next track coming out. And they they show some pictures of it on their um, on the forums. And uh, it's in process, getting ready to come out. So, Dirt fans, uh, looking forward to a new track. 
weed sport. Yeah, pretty cool. And a lot of talk was about, uh, hey, does that mean the big block modified? Uh, uh, instantly, people were talking about that because apparently that's where they run. That's right. And and that's the next thing we're going to get to, right? Big block modifieds are being scanned. So uh, that looks like they will be coming next. It's so cool how iRacing responds to stuff. It's like they announced the weed sport. They put out one screenshot that they have prepared for it. And then, you know, everybody's like, oh, we want the big block modified. And then guess what? A week later, here's Kevin Anarelli out there scanning it. I mean, it's just awesome how things work. Sure, and it's it's obviously they're anticipating um, what the fans want when when they release certain uh, content that uh, that goes along with what they're, they're they're releasing. Obviously, this is not probably something that's going to be ready for September build. I would guess. At, at, I mean, that's just too aggressive. I would think, but certainly uh, for the winter build, I would think they could get it done. Yeah, I think Weed Sport, the track itself, might be ready, um, considering how fast they release stuff like um, on uh, on the Oval at uh, what's the track they just did recently, real quick. It slipped my mind. Well, they redid Kentucky, but it wasn't quite finished. We talk, if you're talking about that one. Yeah, that was a weird uh, redo. Th- I mean, this track looks like it's pretty much done by the screenshot they put out. I mean, it looks finished. Um, so yeah, I'm sure we're gonna get the weed sport in September. That's why we're seeing screenshots of it. But the the car, I mean, they literally were scanning it just like a couple of days ago. So yeah, I wouldn't expect the car. Brian, are you asking about Wilkesboro? That's correct. That's what I was thinking. North Wilkesboro. Well, we were talking. We're talking about how they tend to keep their their nose to the ground, and you know, it it's interesting that they can do that because there's got to be so much that they get slammed with all the time from every other direction. Uh, but they also try to keep an eye on the servers and they ran into some, some connectivity issues re- uh, recently. It looks like on July 10th, um, it had to do with some, some of the server farms and they swapped over to a different server farm and that seemed to knock out the issues. And this happened a little bit, a few days before the 24, but then that, that didn't have any problems with the 24. So it ran. Okay. I don't, I seem to remember that I might've been in a race where this started yep. happening and every, everybody just started getting kicked out. Like all the everybody's quality went everybody was blinking and then you just see dropped dropped for unacceptable connection and you'd get back in for two minutes and then everybody would get dropped again um and i ended up we act it ended up still that counting as an official race yeah i knew you uh, got dropped from that because i saw the story shortly after and so yeah i do believe you were caught up in that and maybe uh, tom as well First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at turn four to his first win in the Enas car peak. And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garrelo. Gonna look to the bottom. It is not gonna be enough. And Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. And um, let's move on. We have Evan Pasoka with us. Hey, thanks for coming. Happy to be here, guys. Hope uh, everybody enjoyed tuning in on Tuesday night. I know it was a bit of a uh, a messy one at times, but still uh, some exciting moments as always. 
Well, it was uh, New Hampshire. Uh, we had uh, some press uh, pre-race there from iRacing. They put out one of their nice little articles. Uh, Chris Leone wrote up about uh, a preview of the New Hampshire race. And then we had, of course, Steve Lavender from Trading Paints uh, put up uh, some information on, uh, on, the, on the race as well. His preview, uh, the power rankings. Uh, so they're trying to get everybody watching and the NASCAR fans watching and uh, hopefully based on the numbers they are. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we talked, uh, you know, a couple of rounds back when there was kind of, you know, no NASCAR happening at all uh, about the increased viewership. And and I think it's come back. I don't think we're getting the 300, you know, thousands that we were at that point. But uh, I think we're still up from what we got last year. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, I mean, even iRacing, uh, you know, getting some of those more kind of promo things out. NASCAR has been doing that. I saw that a lot of the teams were. So uh, it's been good. Um, you know, it's, it's it's fun to see everybody get involved. And uh, admittedly, I'm not a huge fan of New Hampshire. And, and I was actually joking with our crew before the broadcast that maybe that's just because I can't drive there. And that's why uh, it's a tough track. And, and we learned that uh, real quickly as uh, we continue to work deeper and deeper into the year here. Yeah, it's not just them. Uh, we ran New Hampshire last night, and half of it was under caution. So yeah. it's just kind of the nature of the beast there. But let's jump into the race. Uh, Graham Bolin looking good, uh, leading early. Um, the fastest in warm-up, though, Matt Busa, uh, had moved from fourth to second early on. Uh, Bolin continues to lead but by almost a second. But early caution at lap 10, uh, Brandon Cantell goes for a loop uh, after a round of bumper cars with Jeremy Allen and Ryan Luza. Yeah, you're going to get that at these tracks with a lot of braking. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't the kind of intermediate package um, that we're, you know, we kind of refer to when we talk about, you know, the current package and, and the way this all works, because uh, it was one of the smaller tracks. But, you know, for a majority of the tracks on the calendar, you're really not braking. That's kind of not required um, in this kind of day and age of, of cup car racing. Uh, so a lot of drivers were, you know, saying, listen, I don't know if I'm going to do that good. We saw a lot of, you know, guys who are consistently top 10 guys who, you know, you, you kind of get out of that rhythm for a little bit. And, and they thought that this track was going to be tough for them. And uh, I'm not surprised that we got uh, an early yellow we knew and and acknowledged on the broadcast, you know, uh, I think the, the average yellows for New Hampshire, you know, all time in this series is is like at about 11 or so. So uh, we knew it was going to kind of be gross and, uh, you know, you just some bumper cars early. But, you know, you mentioned Busa up front. I mean, I thought he did a, a really good job. I thought he was kind of in a prime position to try to go back to, to victory lane, obviously, uh, for the first time since he got his first win at Atlanta uh, two years ago. So it was that was a big storyline. And uh, Graham Boland was super impressive uh, leading that opening bit. Uh, he kind of struggled you know, maybe a lot 40 on, but uh, it was good to see some, I don't want to say new faces up there because these guys are really good, but uh, maybe some different faces compared to the last couple of weeks. Yep. Yep. Next caution, a little sp uh, spat over track position. Turn three, uh, Eric Smith, uh, Keegan Leahy uh, sends Keegan up the track uh, just sideways enough to trigger a caution. No other contact. It was Bolin, Busa, uh, Mullis, Conti, Keister, Vincent, Clampett, Challenger, Ottinger up front. Lap 25, Busa fights Bolin for the lead. Lots of jostling back in the pack, though, side by side. Yeah, we saw, I think it was pretty consistently, maybe your top, 
three, four uh, would kind of break away early and everybody else would stay side by side. And it was, it was kind of good because it wasn't, you know, for the way that New Hampshire is, it wasn't just, uh, you know, like, like 110% a single groove. I mean, cars on the outside could make those passes happen sometimes. Cars on the inside, I mean, there was a lot of leaning on each other. Um, a lot of the time, actually, and I think we mentioned it, is on the radio, drivers were kind of very understanding. I think they knew uh, that in close quarters like New Hampshire, there was going to be contact. So for most of the incidents, and you know, you mentioned that little bit of contact for that second yellow where it really wasn't a wreck, but uh, it triggered one. Uh, you know, we're always listening to the driver chat, and a lot of the drivers were like, very, you know, it, it's fine. You know, I didn't mean to get into you. Uh, that changed in about the final quarter of the race, but at least off of the get go, uh, drivers seemed to, to be willing to kind of balance that give and take as best as they could. Right. Yep, you know, with a finally a lead change, uh, uh, Jimmy Mullis uh, gets a P1 around Graham Bolin, and then Bolin quickly uh, fell back to fourth uh, with 45 laps down. Gorl and then the interesting thing to watch was Gorlinski had took tires earlier, and then we noticed him marching up through the field. Yeah, you talk about kind of veterans in this series, and and John Gorlinski is somebody who obviously has been around uh, for a long time, and and he's kind of been. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to phrase it because, you know, obviously with the teams this year, um, we've been talking a good bit about William Byron Esports uh, and, and whatnot, but it's kind of been mainly, um, you know, for John and, and not really for his teammates. So we, we were kind of looking to see uh, if we could get a little bit more, uh, you know, out of that driver duo, if you will. Uh, it was Ottinger, actually, sorry, who we've been talking most about. And I mentioned, you know, you talk about uh, Gorolinski. It was good to see him back up in that picture because uh, we finally got a uh, like a team points graphic. So that was kind of on our mind. Um, and it's good to see, again, just because of the way that these teams came together, Gorlinski, who's kind of been the number two at that team all year, uh, do pretty good. And, and he's kind of stringing together a couple of good weeks here. And I don't want to say he's on the playoff bubble quite yet, but... Um, you know, just a couple more consistent finishes like that. And I think we could have uh, a real good look at, you know, maybe getting rid of some of that early season bad luck. Uh, still looking for a first top five, uh, but, uh, you know, he's got a couple of top tens now. Yep. And then Jimmy Mullis uh, continues to pull away. Uh, gap was one and a half seconds over Corey Vincent running second at 100 to go. And then caution out for Chris Overland. Man, he just is having a rough year. It's it has not been uh, a fun ride for Chris and uh, you know we, we kind of see this uh, I mean this isn't just a 2020 thing uh, for Chris I mean he's a, consistently a guy who's in this championship um, and and you know obviously decided to stay with the Wood Brothers uh, with last year and it's funny because he has such a you know a, a bad I don't want to say a bad race but I mean it, it wasn't great for him uh, but he's able to bounce back I think he finished kind of like mid pack and he actually gained a bit in the points. So it could be worse, but that's kind of Chris's season is a good night is where there's a wreck and you recover to like 20th or wherever he was. I mean, you know, that's kind of his standard for a good week. And I know we see drivers, even, you know, Schoenberg and some of those other guys who have been in this series for so long have top 15, have top 10 cars. And it seems like so consistently uh, they just can't get those results. And uh, it's got to be tough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this caution was Really, just a minor stack up. Dylan Duvall, he checked up for the car in front of him just a hair, and uh, teammate Justin Bolton uh, didn't check up in time and just kind of got him. He spun down to the bottom. 
the next one was a little contact between Colin Keister and uh, Reynolds. Uh, sent the number three car sideways, similar to another half spin earlier, just enough to bring the yellow back out, and nobody hit anything on that one. Yeah, that was, you know, a yellow that shouldn't have been a yellow. But, I mean, that's just another incredible job of, of saving that race car. We've seen, you know, several instances now um, this year. And, and I think looking back, uh, it was to Vegas. I saw uh, some clips around on Twitter after the race, uh, you know, that that save kind of reminded people of. Uh, where he, I mean, he's got great car control. And it's just kind of a finicky thing where, you know, the iRacing uh, system kind of automatically triggers out of the yellow flag. We should have stayed green. Uh, but, I mean, it starts the same way a lot of those early race wrecks that you were talking about started, where you just got checking up. You talk about the Haas cars getting into each other. That's kind of like the cardinal rule that I mentioned is don't get into your teammate. Granted, uh, you know, they weren't overdriving and, and kind of being dumb about it. They just happened to be nose to tail uh, when there was a checkup. But uh, Blake Reynolds is going to continue to give us uh, save of the years, uh, you know, every couple of races, it seems like. I, I feel like if we did a, an end of the season you know, kind of awards thing. He'd have a couple of them. So uh, it was a good job by him to, to keep on control of that car. And uh, not the first time. I think he, he has to have the most memorable saves in this series that at least I can remember from the last couple of years. Yeah, that was a, a nice uh, little replay they put on social media, that Coke car getting sideways and him somehow driving away from it. Uh, after that, it was uh, really, you know, fading by uh, Graham Boland. He it fell back to around ninth or so. But Jack Novak was the one moving forward. Uh, I think he was way back in 30th early on, but uh, he made his way up. Yeah, and, and Zach is a guy who obviously is is nowhere near happy uh, with what he's, he's seen out of the car this year and, you know, kind of messed up the fact that we, we actually finished this race with 39 of the 40 cars that started, I mean, on the lead lap. Uh, but yeah, Zach, I don't think he qualified. I think he may have been one of those drivers that was hit with the qualifying uh, conduct, uh, you know, kind of scrutiny thing that may have disallowed his lap time or he hit the fence or, or whatever it was. But I think I don't remember exactly where the bubble was, but there was a handful of fast cars that didn't qualify at the back. Zach drives his way all the way up to the field after being, uh, you know, so kind of, I don't want to say subpar, but as a defending champ. You know, you expect to start up front and, and kind of stay there. And, and he kind of showed a little bit of that brilliance. And uh, as we'll find out in a couple of laps, unfortunately, that that didn't really last for him. Yeah, but first, another caution. It was uh, uh, Tiras and Bob Bryant. Uh, 42 went for a spin. And then lap 131, the big one. Uh, Novak, uh, who was having a great run, gets moved a bit by Luza. And there were several involved there. Uh, Davies, Crowder. And Challenger, why Challenger was not happy. Yeah, and I was. This is what I was alluding to earlier when I mentioned that you know a lot of the drivers at the beginning of the race were you know pretty understanding on the radio, uh, because I have this in my ear the whole time. So I'm trying not to laugh actually on the broadcast because Zach and uh, Luz are just I mean going at each other. Uh, I mean you know Novak's not all the way in the fence yet. And he and he's already saying, you know, thanks, really, and and then loses. Like, I'm not trying to run you over, man, but you got to go. And and they're kind of yelling back and forth. And of course, it was the big one because it happened pretty quickly off of uh, a restart there. So not only was it Luza and Novak, but you got you had guys like Guest and Davies and you know some of the other guys. Nathan Lyon, I think, was involved in that incident as well. Uh, big mess. And that's kind of I think where the race kind of flipped the switch, and we went from. 
you know, we're let's we're trying to get everybody to the end of the race to all right, we're gonna fight for every single spot and and I'm just checking back on the results now. Yes, yeah, I mean Zach finishes thirtieth, which or or for thirty seconds. We actually finished worse uh than where he started, which, you know, of course if if we're talking about at 50 laps to go the way that he's probably one of the best cars in traffic. That's a uh, pretty cruddy for him and, and taking a look at the the points, not to kind of get too, too ahead of ourselves, but I mean, that costs him three. I mean, he, he's that much lower now in the points 24th. Uh, and obviously that top 20 is the, the cut. So uh, that's a big blow to Zach. I don't want to say that that's the blow that takes him out of playoff contention. I mean, it was obviously a bit of a stretch, uh, you know, coming into the night to begin with, but yeah, that uh, you can't afford to be behind by I'm looking like a hundred points at the playoff bubble. And, and you can't have one bad race like that. Cause we're counting down as only six left in regular season. I don't think Zach Novak makes the playoffs this year, which is uh, something that if you had told me at the start of the year, I would have called you crazy. Exactly. Yeah. He's for sure. Th- uh, he's one of my picks. Uh, after that, it was a restart 15 to go. Another quick caution for uh, Challoner who got tagged this time by Keister. And then 10 to go, another restart, and then a caution with eight to go. Keister involved again, and then the first overtime attempt brings out another caution. And then I think it was overtime number two uh, where we finally finished it. It was Mullis, Ottinger, Busa on the restart. Uh, they uh, And then Mullis had a great restart, broke away. The top three were lined up uh, and spread out, and so the battle was behind that. So Mullis wins. Yeah, that was the key is is Mullis's jump. And I think we talked about this uh, briefly post-race because you talk about that battle for second. Uh, Ottinger and Busa hold each other up for just a little bit. I mean, it was basically that first whole lap of the green-white checkered finish. And coming to the white flag, you know, the advantage out in front of the field for Mullis is like seven, eight car lengths. Uh, you get into turn three on the last lap, it's like two. Um, I think it was too far for Matt Busa to pull the Blake Reynolds and go for the bumper. This is not North Wilkesboro in the trucks. It's a points race and, you know, you, you can't send it in three car lengths. But, uh, you know, if Busa had gotten around Ottinger faster and maybe was within a car length instead of two or three, maybe he puts the bumper to him. But uh, it was a combination of Mullis getting that good jump and the fact that, you know, Busa and Ottinger just kind of had to deal with each other that gave him enough of a cushion uh, to get the win, which I found interesting just kind of looking back at the stats that over the course of this race, uh, we only saw two different drivers lead laps uh, total, two different leaders. Of course, Mullis led the most as he went on to get the win. Uh, and I would have to double check, but I'm guessing that's probably the least amount of different race leaders we've seen in a race so far this year. So uh, goes to show you how strong Boland was early. You mentioned uh, you know, that he kind of fell back to ninth. I thought he was kind of destined to be stuck there. He gets the top five out of it, uh, but really just how strong uh, Jimmy Mullis was. Uh, it was a point that I had mentioned I think uh, the week prior on one of our uh, social media shows with NASCAR on, on drivers that, you know, I was kind of looking at in the points. Uh, it's a big win for Mullis. There is no win in your in, but I mean, he jumps five in the championship after that. And he now only finds himself about 19 spots out of a playoff spot. That's uh, to the bubble where Graham Bullen is. Uh, yeah, that's still a lot. Uh, but where he was four weeks ago, four races ago, um, I mean, it's been a great turnaround for him. Right. Uh, to get right there within striking distance of the top eight as we're getting down to it. Uh, a, a perfect time for Jimmy to to get that win. And uh, really neat to see Matt Busa run so well. And I know he was he could taste that victory. He was right there. But 
the leader has such an advantage. He does. And, you know, it's a little bit less so because of the cars and it's just more so again because of the restart procedure it's a, you know a very unique i racing thing uh in which you know you don't actually have to wait for a restart box where you only have kind of so much leeway on what you can do at new hampshire the pace car's gone in the center of a three and four and we saw consistently i mean with all the yellows mullis had to go through a ton of restarts we saw consistently you know those that car's basically taken off in the center of a turn four and you just can't anticipate that in the corner you just can't stick with them and uh it gives such an advantage to the control car uh the way that restarts are done on the service all right so let's take a quick look at the points uh what do you want to point out uh we talked about jimmy moving the ninth uh graham is sitting on the bubble in in uh eighth uh ray right about above him in seventh yeah, and, and those guys are all pretty close to one another. It, you know, it's funny, kind of looking at the points, the biggest gap, I think, between any two names in like the top 30 is actually the bubble. That kind of 19 or 20 point deficit or distance between uh, Bullen and Mullis is actually one of the bigger gaps we have all throughout the points. Now, with six races to go, doesn't really mean much. Um, you know, we talked about that big one. Both Brad Davies and Jake Nichols, I think, were in that incident. They both drop a lot, but they're still in contention. Um, but Graham Bullen has 264 points. He is our bubble driver. I would have to kind of cut things off close to John Gorlinski, uh, if you're asking me, because, you know, you're, that's about a 50-point difference. Mathematically, anything's possible. Um, but I think that, you know, your top kind of 12 or 13 uh, through Nichols are kind of the drivers that have an actual shot. Uh, through Gorlinski, they kind of have uh, a hope and a prayer. Uh, but if you're not top 15 right now, and that includes guys like Busa, who had a great night, gained seven spots in the points, he's in 19th, you can't keep gaining seven spots each week. I mean, Boos is in a battle just to stay in the championship. And I think that Zach Novak, I mentioned that it was a bit of a long shot. I, I just don't see it happening. I think his focus is now on just staying in this series. And you know, there's a lot of names down there like Malik Ray as well, who I would expect to do better. Um, they're all kind of in the mindset now, I think. Uh, I just don't see six races being enough. And uh, you have to kind of mentally change your expectations to, to just stay in it. And, you know, there's a ton of names there that, uh, if you, we had kind of, you know, guesstimated that they would be in this position this early uh, at the start of the year, uh, I would probably called you crazy. But this is kind of the point in the year uh, where with each passing week, you kind of have to reassess things. And um, it, it's been surprising. Uh, you know, when we talk about names that are in it, I can't really say I'm shocked by any of them. I know uh, a couple of weeks back I mentioned that Garrett Lowe uh, had really impressed me, but I don't want to say that he shocked me. Of course, he was one of these uh, championship cars last year. Um, but but Nick Ottinger uh, and Graham Boland, sixth and eighth in points, uh, have really uh, I don't know I don't know if surprise is the right word because I mean all these guys are good. Um, but if I kind of filled out a fantasy top eight at the start of the year, uh, I don't think I would have had Ottinger or Boland in there. So so good ups to those guys. But I mean they can't settle down because we talk about that 19 point difference. That's great. But I mean you got guys like Jimmy Mullis, Logan Clampett on your heels. I mean, those are two guys that, that have a good a chance as anybody else if they get into those playoffs to win a championship in this series. So it's going to be a ton of fun through the next couple of weeks. And uh, I think we have four weeks left with our uh, with our normal broadcast stuff on Tuesday until uh, stuff gets moved over to, to NBC. So we're uh, excited for 
how the rest of this regular season will play out. And of course, into the, uh, the championship when stuff moves over to Thursdays, uh, I think in September. Okay. And that'll be broadcast on NBCSN or whatever. Okay. That's great. Yeah. We're looking forward to that. Uh, it was such a neat thing to see last year, uh, to have those, uh, broadcasts going, but, uh, for the points and everything, uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, Evan Pasoko, thank you so much for, coming on to talk new hampshire we got michigan up next week uh next time in two weeks uh what do you think is going to happen there i've always loved michigan and michigan's a track that's been on the calendar um i think every single season uh in this championship so it's got a a lot of history um and there's a lot of guys who are kind of in that points like kind of right on the bubble so like ray alfala he's seventh in points he's got a win here uh, you got guys like Luza who, you know, doesn't really need one. Garrett Lowe doesn't need one, but but they're race winners here. And I think it was Garrett who won here last year uh, at Michigan. So uh, it's just a fun track. I mean, you know, even with New Hampshire, a track that I personally don't like, I think a track that a lot of the drivers aren't a big fan of. I think you need those tracks, right? You need tracks that people don't enjoy because that means it's a challenge. I, I love Michigan. Uh, I've always liked the racing there. I know we're not in the 215 miles an hour into turn one era anymore, uh, but Michigan's fun. And, you know, Michigan and Fontana have been two tracks that have given us great races for the last few years. So I think even removed from, you know, the the nerdy stuff that I like, the points and kind of tracking these trends and all that, if, if you're not, you know, kind of somebody who tunes in to kind of deep dive into all of that, Michigan's just a good show. Um, and then that'll be followed up by Watkins Glen, um, which I don't think is getting changed at all. I think as far as I know, we're, we're sticking with Watkins Glen. That's not getting switched over uh, to Daytona unless nobody has passed me that memo yet. So uh, that'll be two fun tracks back to back with the road course there as well. Because, I mean, that's kind of guaranteed points for like a Bobby Zelensky and some of those other drivers. I mean, those strong road course ringers. So once we get through the next two weeks, I think we'll have a lot clearer uh, of an idea of, of who's got a real shot here for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to Michigan. It's going to be a great race uh, based on what we've seen before. So, all right, Evan, great broadcast as usual. And we're so happy to have you on. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in guys. All right. Thank you. Pusa going to be too far back, and Jimmy Wallace, first win of 2020, the 46 gets it done at New Hampshire. Let's switch gears. Uh, Brian, let's tell me about what happened with the world of Outlaws, late model. All right, guys. So on the dirt side, Monday was round four of the Morton Builders World of Outlaw late model series they were at eldora speedway which is the track that's owned by tony stewart and it's home of the dirt derby for the nascar gander outdoor truck so you get to see that uh track in nascar once a year just not this year but um so uh coming into the race coming into the race today uh hayden carwell was the leader in points and uh he was looking to have a great night he put up the fast time in qualifying was on the pole for heat one and guess what he had a technical issue and he missed the start of his heat race wound up starting from the pits and finished dead last in his heat race so what looked like could have been a really big night for hayden carwell to maybe gap the field for points uh, he's behind in the uh, he's behind the eight ball big time. So Blake Majulis winds up winning that first heat. He is the uh, returning champion from last year. 
Um, the second heat went to Evan Say, who was actually in third in points. So that means he's going to start that feature on the outside row of uh, row one. So he he's he's in really good position to 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 make up some points on Hayden Carwell, who's the leader. Um, heat three was uh, Devin Morgan wins and Tyler Ducharme wins heat four. So that takes us to uh, our first B main, which is the consolation race, where you have to finish in the top two positions to make that final feature. Hayden Carwell, who again, leader in the points, is starting dead last, and he's got to work his way from ninth to first or second to save any kind of points in that race, and he, he wins the race. He starts in dead last, 10 lap race, he winds up winning it. So he does make the feature, he's gonna start 17th in the feature, and, uh, when the feature starts, uh, Blake Majulis, who again won the first heat race, he goes wire to wire, wins the wins the race without wow. uh, without anybody taking over, um, with, without any lead changes. It was a 50 lap race, and there was no lead changes. It was pretty uneventful for the uh, for the uh, win for Blake Majulis. Um, second place went to Evan Say who, uh, again, was third in points coming into the race, and Dylan Hauser finished in third. But really, the, all the eyes were on how was Hayden Cardwell going to do starting at the back of the field? How many points was he going to give up? Could he make his way up through the field? So he started in 17th place, and he uh, he got through some really tense moments where there were some accidents. He was just avoided and wound up coming all the way to seventh place, which is uh, salvages some points for the night for him, but not quite enough to hold on to the series lead, which uh, Evan Say takes over by five points over Dylan Wilson, and Cardwell drops to third, seven points behind Evan Say. So uh, the points race is really tightening up. Um, a lot of it due to some bad luck. But, you know, that's kind of what makes this uh, series really exciting. Um, I, I, I just can't, I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to, to, have a, to have some kind of a technical issue at the start of one of these races where so much is on the line, you know. I, I get upset when I have a technical issue on a, your, your standard race. But uh, these guys have a lot on the line. And, man, he, he really made up – he really did a good job saving as many points as he could for that race to, to stay in contention. I'm sorry, I missed this one. That B main looked like it was awesome where he came from uh, last to first. I, I wanted to see that. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, second place in that B main was actually um, by um, the winner of the Sprint Car Series, our good buddy Alex Bergeron. He actually didn't make the feature initially either. He finished second and, and wound up making the finish for the uh, – making the finals. And I think he finished around 10th or 11th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yes, and it was, it was just, it was just cars were banging on each other. He got, uh, he got a little help when the leaders kind of got to each other to, to take over the lead in that B main. And, uh, he did a great job of really getting, getting moving up and winning that B main. It was very exciting. So, um, the next race is going to be round five and it goes back to Lernerville. And uh, Lernerville is a race that Hayden Carwell, who just destroyed the field last time, lapped, gapped the field by over six seconds. So he's looking to uh, to reclaim first place probably next week, barring any more bad luck. All right, I need to not miss that race. Uh, that sounds pretty awesome. 
Yeah, and, and Lernerville, if you remember, has no wall on the backside of that track. So go up and over. Fly, they can go flying. All right, let's keep moving. Tony Groves, we have a camera, or I guess a picture pack package. Yeah, I've seen a few guys do this stuff, but uh, this, uh, I guess we can call it a company. That's what they uh, specialize in, Bell Photography. <laughs> got like a whole website set up just for uh strictly grabbing shots for uh eye racing and uh well i guess it's simsnap.com what the heck is going on yeah so it is bell photography that does it um simsnap.com is the website um right now they're offering a 10 photo package for the 24 hour spa for eight bucks but i believe that's uh aussie dollars but uh, at first I saw this, and I was like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> and then you start looking through the photos and stuff. These guys do a pretty darn good job, um, you know, playing with the backgrounds and stuff and really making making the, the, the cars just pop. And, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, simsnap.com and go to their portfolio. And, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, the images just pop. I mean, the color and the I, it's just the way it's framed. Or I mean, obviously, you got professionals that are into photography and, and taking shots of sim and then probably doing some kind of Photoshop to it as well, I would presume. Uh, they're really focused on the motion blur. Uh, that's what's making the cars pop so much is that everything else is intentionally out of focus. And so uh, for eight U.S. dollars or 12 Australian, you can hire these guys. Uh, probably, I assume you send them a replay or something, and then they, they uh, take the shots from there. Yep, that's all they require to send them the replay of uh, what you're looking to get the shots out of, and they'll uh, basically take care of the rest. Okay, next one is a what we all aspire to, a T-shirt. Uh, so Dave Cam, who's been a... A special guest on our show, um, uh, Dave Cameron. Uh, he does a Twitch stream and our YouTube stream, where he's a road racer from the UK. But anyway, uh, he has a Teespring where he has Dave Cam shirts and hoodies and whatnot. But he also has a T-shirt with a SR A four point nine nine blue box across the front of it. How clever! I, I really love this shirt. It's it's one of those things where, you know, you could wear that thing out in public every day for months, maybe years, and nobody will uh, will get it until that one person does, and, and and it would be a magical moment when they do. I imagine like bro hugs and stuff like that after somebody sees that shirt on you, you know. Right, you're walking through the New York City or in the subway. There's people everywhere. Nobody understands what your shirt means. But there'll be that one guy who's an eye racer, and he'll know exactly what it means the moment he sees it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the shirt I love. He has a few other things. There's one that says, Jim says send it. I guess I don't get that one. And yeah, then he's got his understand. logo. I wonder if they have a T-shirt that says 0.000. How about just like a, a D, you know, 3.85 or something like that, you know? Well, Red that, that was a transition that you just glazed right over. Speaking of 0 0.000, uh, on uh, Instagram, the iRacing official uh, 
Instagram uh, website put out a photo of a absolute dead heat in the 87 Monte Carlo cars, uh, a number four, a Wrangler car, you know, and done and build their Earnhardt's paint scheme and a number eight car are crossing the line at a dead heat, 0, 0.000. You, you could not park these cars any better lined up on the finish line than these cars are. It's amazing. Yeah, if you look down at the bumper, right at the at the yellow line, I mean, like you said, you can't really tell who the who the leader is. So I wonder how the system determines who the winner is. That's a good question. I have no idea. And driving those '87 Monte Carlos, it probably was not a uh, not as pretty as it looks on the picture coming up to that line either. Oh yeah. Yeah, especially at Daytona. Um, boy, that's a handful there. That's where I lost my A license in that car at that track. Well, the, but I got uh, it back. The four cars bumper is not straight. Yeah, it looks to me like the one on the bottom won the race, but just because when you look at the back of the car, it looks like it's somehow for, more forward than the one above it, but I don't know. Yeah, but look at the start-finish line. Right. It's yeah. also slanted. Yeah, and the number four might might have gotten shortened up a couple of inches during the race. Right, maybe that's what I'm seeing. Speaking of inches, here's another smooth transition for you. Um, one of the things that we change in uh, the garage is how many inches or up or down the car might be. Uh, and sometimes there's a lot of clicks you have to do. And this next little item, somebody just dropped a hint. Actually, it was Keegan Leahy dropped the hint that you can shift click in the garage and it'll do five clicks at a time instead of one. Well, that was new to me. I didn't know that. That's yeah. I didn't either. And that'd be pr pretty handy. Like uh, when I win and uh, whenever I do a burnout, I'll, I'll take my brake bias all the way forward. You know, and try to do the kind of the Jimmy Johnson drift kind of thing where he just kind of burns out and slides forward. And in the LMP, it's it's about, I don't know, 40 or 50 clicks to get it all the way forward because it goes up at 0.1 at a time. Right. So 50 clicks. So if you hold down the shift key while you click, that 50 would be, uh, you know, five every you would jump five for every click so you would only have to click it you know however many times ten times another call another few tips and tricks here we you can change the ghost car offset seconds and to make the ghost car appear in front of you this would be handy i guess if you're racing yourself and using the ghost car but about the only time i use that ghost car now is if i'm i'll put Zelensky's lap in there uh off of vrs and tr and try to keep up with him and follow his line as I'm learning one of the road courses. So I did try this. Um, so you go in the app I and I, you find the ghost car offset and you change it. And you, I put in I think point three instead of point zero. And then I went and tested for the sprint car race at Milwaukee. And during the test, you see the ghost car of yourself. Well. Every time you come around, you see the ghost car, but instead of being at right where you are, it's 0.3 seconds ahead of you. And then it turns into a game of can I catch my guest, my ghost car and uh, put up a better lap. And uh, it actually helped me kind of get faster and learn the track a little bit because I had a I had something to chase, you know, and that's kind of my problem with practicing is I do better when I'm following somebody and I can see what to do. 
and this really made it easy. So uh, this was something else that was brand new to me. Yeah, especially if you're doing that on the first first corner or two, you know, you're usually side by side with your original time, and you're just overlapping the ghost car. You, you really don't get any good information that way. But 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 being that the car will be ahead of you, you can follow your line or or try to change your line slightly and see see how it affects what you're doing there. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, very cool. Drive UIF full screen equals one allows you to move your boxes to the side monitors. So when you do the Alt K, you can move your relative or whatever uh, into your left or your right monitor off the center monitor if you change that flag. And then one last little trick, force visible when move. If you set that to one, you can see all the possible boxes, even when they're something that doesn't show up. And this is really handy for like positioning the chat box. Right, so you hit the Alt K and you don't necessarily see the chat box because it's not active, right? So this flag turns it active where you can see it if you hit the Alt K. Yeah, so thanks to Keegan and the other guys for throwing those uh, little tips and tricks. And we also have another video that gives us a few tips and tricks. Uh, Tony's going to tell us about that. Yeah, Ricky Thompson posted up a little video in the forums, uh, you know, showing a couple of the uh, lesser known features, um, I guess, of the season three build. But I thought one of them was always there, but I could be wrong. And one of them is uh, the how, to, how to use the new run groups feature and practices. And the other one is how to set the shortcut to turn the master volume up and down. Now I thought the there was always those options to turn the to, to set a hotkey to you know manipulate the volume, but there was I one could... for the chat, but there was not one for the master. Okay, so there you go. I'm just making stuff up. But the, yeah, the run groups is pretty interesting. I think where that would be most handy is when you wanted to go out and run a queue uh, lap and just get away from all the other drivers. You just jump into a dead practice, uh, you know, from your busy one or something. You just jump into, jump into one of the run groups by yourself and then there, nobody else is on the track with you. I think that, I think the run groups is new to season three, if I'm not mistaken, where you can actually yeah. change the groups and stuff. Yes. I think the video is nice because it gives you a visual of where to look for this because if you've never seen the run group you'll never find it if you don't know where to look because you have to be in the in the sim and you have to be on the entries page and it's up there in the upper left it's a little tiny drop down okay next we have a win in the iRacing colors this time it's josh richards driving for clint boyer dirt uh he wins at 300 speedway uh, and we got the high racing colors in victory lane again. Well done. Yeah, that's uh, really cool. And um, that looks like a, a, one of the late models for uh, Boyer's Dirt. And um, the winner of the uh, of the World of Outlaw Late Model Series is going to test one of those cars as part of his uh, prize package. Yep. That's yeah, a dirt late model over from Clint Boyer Racing. What about this finish, Brian? This thing was thrilling. Yeah, so on Instagram, um, uh, the official iRacing posted up the video of the last half lap of the Lionheart Series Indy Butt Kicker 200-250 at Indianapolis, and it was a fabulous finish. And Sage Karam 
goes on to win that race. He's like in third place on the last lap and last half a lap. And uh, they come around the final corner. They're drafting off each other. It's a group of at least six cars that are all vying for this position. And uh, yeah, Sage Karen pulls off the win at the at the line. They're at least four wide. Uh, at that finish and and the the announcing crew that does it on this video is fantastic as well it's a really good video well i think that's what it is it's the announcing it's the guy from the indy motors network the, the indianapolis motor network who does the actual announcing during the real indy 500 it's the same guy and so i don't know it's just because of that voice and i recognize it because it's Sage Karam, it's because they're four wide for the for the win, but there's six of them, and and uh, it really really reminded me of that Freedom 100 uh, they had with the IndyCar lights at the uh, Indy 500, I think four years ago maybe, where they had a four wide finish like this, and it looked just like it. Yeah, that was that was a really good finish. Great video, great announcing. It's it's everything i iRac racing really can be. Yeah, uh, thrilling is a is a good word for that video. Uh, well done on iRacing putting that one out. All right, let's get into uh, housekeeping notes. I don't really have anything except send us your topics. You can email them in to iRacersLounge at gmail.com. Don't forget about show notes. Uh, we have great show notes with lots of links and pictures, and they're searchable. If you're looking for SIM hardware, guess what? Our show notes is a great resource. Uh, so uh, check it out. There's a link in the description of every podcast. Don't forget we're on the Performance Motorsport Network in regular rotation on, on their network. And with that, we go into hardware software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. First up, uh, that Samsung G9 49-inch 240 hertz. Uh, we're getting some uh, initial impressions here from Ian Gibson, who's got one up and running finally, um, and he's got iRacing on it. He said he he needs some tweaking. Uh, he's done one lap, and it felt very strange, but he did put up some pictures. So what do you guys think of what iRacing looks like on this monitor? It's kind of hard to tell from the photo, but... Yeah, I, I agree. And um, my concern, again, would be how it draws the um, outer edges of the screen, you know, whether there's any kind of uh, scaling effects or any issues with that. It's kind of hard to tell in just the, the pictures I've seen. But, um, yeah, that's still my only concern, I think, if I was uh, really looking at this monitor. But um, other than that, it's it's a beautiful screen. It's It's amazing to look at. It, it it looks like you're sitting in the front row of a movie theater or something, you know. It, it's just really, really good. You know, it really gives the impression of triples. It really does. I mean, it's almost like triples because yeah. of the curve. About the only question is that, that the FOV, how, is it going to feel right or not? And he's discussing that in the thread. But I'm sure it's something you could get used to. If I was buying right now, I, and I would be looking at this, I think. I don't think I could ever go back to flat monitors. This one's not flat. It's curved. Boom. Very curved. I got, okay, I guess I... Okay, two-dimensional monitors then. How about that? You got me, though. Yeah, I'm not seeing... I know, like, when we were uh, 
you know, we were talking about, you know, these versus triples and, you know, is this uh, warping at the edges and stuff like that. And I'm really trying to look, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it any warping but it would be nice to see a picture um video or yeah a, a video would be good but a picture of like a like a, not an open wheel or an open cockpit a closed cockpit car to um feel that might give a little better visual i guess for us because we're so used to the oval side right um but, maybe uh, uh, maybe a video um but i don't I don't know unless you're used to triples and then hop on this screen if you're going to perceive it because it's going to it's going to be a, a change that's almost felt more than seen, I would think. So we also have the link from this Linus Tech Tips uh, video he did of the monitor where he's playing like Call of Duty and stuff on it. And based on how it looks with the the first person shooter Call of Duty game, on the edges it really looks good when when you look because there's a good video of that game and how it looks over on the edge and he's really kind of pointing it out um in it yeah i don't see any problems but who knows? yeah yeah i saw that video too you're right and the corners did look really good on that um i, I imagine iRacing has the technology to, to reproduce that kind of rendering on that screen but you can tell that there's distortion on the outsides if you watch when you watch when he rotates it it doesn't look the same the motion on the outside doesn't look the same as it does in the middle it's hard to judge i mean you're looking yeah. at a youtube video and yeah it, look, it it feels like a fish eye effect almost yeah and and i guess there's a question of whether your peripheral vision will pick up that distortion you know if you're really concentrated mostly on the center of the screen you know it might not be that big a deal there's a there's a product a little bit further down the list that uh might might address one of those situations I think the best of both worlds, you have this monitor, but you have VR to go with it, you know, and this is just like the place, you know, it's just on the rig when you're not on VR. And yeah, it's just a beast. I love this thing. Yes. And uh, speaking of beasts, we have a um, from Barry Rowland uh, from the uh, Sim Racing Garage. He posted on Instagram a picture of these pedals. They are Wave, Wave Italy. Wave Italy. They're, uh, it's called the Impetus Emola pedal set. And it looks like you could drive a tank over it and it would be pretty much okay. It's, uh, they're all three uh, all inverted pedals, the, uh, the brake clutch and uh, gas pedal. They're all inverted on a solid steel frame. Uh, I read a little bit about this. This is all cut from uh, you know, 3D printed out basically out of steel. And uh, it looks like a beast. It really looks sturdy. Yeah, and his comment is, it is stiffer than it looks. And it looks stiff. <laughs> so, yeah, those look... Uh, so looking forward to Barry's review on those Wave Italy inverted pedals. And if you, uh, if you take a look at where the connection point is between the top half and the bottom half, there's a set of, of screw holes and stuff that look like you can tilt the pedals more uh, to get you a little bit more versatility. And you, oh, can yeah. raise, and you can raise and lower the pedals with the, the set of holes on the top side. So that whole thing looks very adjustable as well. Yeah. It does. It would, it, the only way that you could be, make it more adjustable would be to have a, a single slit that's curved. Um, 
that's the way a lot a lot of rigs come so you're limited with it's i guess instead of infinite choices you have a, a set number of choices but um those are still probably what quarter maybe a third or a quarter of an inch adjustments well i mean you can adjust those uh like the i get I'm gonna, for a lack of better term i'm going to call it the pedal plate whatever what all the pedals um actually connect to that connect to the framing of this you can adjust those um many many different ways plus the whole top part of that unit looks like there's some adjustment um so you could hit just about any angle that you would ever want uh to be able to drive but the big thing here is like we you were talking about getting this thing run over by a tank and like the the pedal arms on these those are some thick ass pieces of metal like like there's absolutely solid like you've already um said but the thickness is just it's uh kind of blowing me a little bit no to god no no -uh. it just in a you know it actually just looks like the pedals you would have in a car an actual car as well instead of a little bit too small the problem with this i think is what do you do with it i mean you gotta it's not like something you can bolt to a rig a normal rig uh, this is like a piece all by itself, and it's almost like you'd have to design something to sit in front of it, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's probably got uh, bolting down on the on the bottom piece there. Yeah, it looks like on that flange on the bottom, there's some some holes pre-drilled for it. I guess if you're doing like an 80-20 and you have uh, the, the tubes going across it, you could probably secure it to that. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you'd have a hard time, like a, like a you know, a pre-built, kind of like your, your abuttle, you might have a hard time mounting I could never these. use this. Yeah, yeah, but with an 80-20 type setup, that this wouldn't be an issue at all. Yeah, but like you said, you just kind of build around it, and it's it's got some really nice, uh, um, you know, design work with the 3D printed part or the 3D, you know, the plasma cutter on the side show off their uh the graphics and stuff like that so you can build it make it look really nice wouldn't uh wouldn't be too hard but yeah you'd be you wouldn't be in any shape for these space might be an issue because it looks like it's about tall enough to come up almost as high as the direct wheel direct drive so it would have to be further back than where the direct drive drive is uh sit when it's sitting up in an 80 20 rig and so how high are your monitors and where is your monitor stand sitting as well I think I like the idea that this could be the centerpiece of an 80-20 build. This is the starting point, and you build around it. Okay, next up, Motley Crue. That's your cue, David. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out what the Motley Crue reference is. Oh, it's on the wall. Well, okay. who's the, no, who's, the, who's this rig for? Vince Chat. Neal. Come on, Vince man. Vince Neal, man, the singer of Motley Crue. Shame on me. I'm just looking at the pictures. I didn't pay attention to who it was for. Yeah. So this one is for Vince Neal. Rockstar. Pretty cool like that Vince he's Neal. racing. Uh, that's what I find cool. Looks like he's a uh, road racer from the setup there. He's got a Fanatec uh, V2 uh, formula wheel. I'm actually looking at his Twitter as well. and when, um, He's liking a lot of uh, iRacing posts on here. So like he's got most... the Chad Wheeler uh, rig. It's like black, but he's got the Motley Crue like logo on the back, which is pretty cool. 
yeah, that makes a whole lot more sense now. It's, um, it's a solid steel uh, cutout frame. It's got a curved monitor, direct drive wheel. That's the Formula V2 rim. I love the seat. It looks like a Max Pappas seat. MPI, yeah. Uh, and those are similar to Derek Spears' designed boxes that are directly mounted to the base, the button boxes. Right. Pretty nice setup. And then it also shows a picture of it set up in, uh, I guess, in Vince's little space because it's got all the pictures of his. He's got one of the gold records on the wall right next to his rig. I have a CD sitting next to mine, a little CDR. He's got some racing photos on the wall, too. Looks like a uh, funny car, maybe. Yeah, some autographs and whatnot. Yeah, pretty cool. Vince Neal. We need to get Vince on the show, guys. Uh, I need to get up on the Twit Twit and uh, offer him up. Maybe uh, uh, the guy from Old Bastards, who uh, who's the keyboardist, um, would have his number. Oh, Gary. Yeah, Gary might know who he is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay, Gary, uh, if you're listening, I know you're out there. Uh, hook us up with Vince Neal. So can this next seat be used by rock stars, Tony? be used by rock stars. could be used by uh, grandpas trying to show up their grandsons. It could be used by just about everyone. And this one's actually really cool. It's the Corbo Evo RB reclining bucket seat, which is, a, in my opinion, a very nice added touch to be able to recline that some. Uh, <laughs> man, sometimes when you're just sitting straight up, you just gotta, you gotta relax, man. Yeah, NIS bottom split, you got 17,000 cautions, um, you know, right around caution 25. Um, you, you, you gotta recline that thing a bit and take a load off. Now, my seat is a reclining seat, but I never adjust it, but I think it's important. So you can get it to that right spot where you want it, you know, and I like the idea of a, re a reclining seat. Two color options. I like the red one. If you go through the pictures, guys, you'll see the red version. Uh, it's 348 euros. So obviously this is good for Europe. Uh, if you're in Europe, I saw this on Facebook. Uh, a guy built a custom rig and, and he had one of these seats on it and the seat just popped. It just looked really good. It's, it's like a racing style seat but it's a little more casual than the normal racing seat. It looks a little more comfortable. It's got the recline. It's got the nice red, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great option, but like you said, it's, it looks comfortable. And I don't know, I think that's, uh, that's what it's all about there. You gotta be, gotta be comfortable. You could take, you could get one of those and bring it up with a little footrest and have you a nice actual living room recliner. Okay, next up we got the K2R cockpit. Uh, we have a video put up by Cimitech. We've talked about Cimitech before, and uh, they put up on their Facebook a one-minute uh, video of what they uh, call the K2R. And uh, it's like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's a stationary cockpit that has a place to mount a seat. It's got a, a pedal. Uh, place for the pedals, and then it has a, a thing that comes up for the steering wheel, um, and, and a place to mount all that. And um, so it's compatible with all major brands as far as wheels and pedals. 
It looks it looks fairly sturdy. Um, the the where the uh, pedals go looks like almost a piece of eighty twenty uh, aluminum there for the adjustments. Yeah, there's some adjustment here, but uh, three hundred and fifty euros. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I got a thumbs down this one. It's just extremely underwhelming to me. Um, it's. I don't want to say it's like cookie cutter, but it's like. Uh, it's a low cost budget. Uh, I don't know even know if you really want to call it budget. I mean, the, I just, yeah. yeah, like I, okay. So the, the part that like, I was like, okay, I looked at it and there's really nothing there that kind of stood out to me as like, oh, this is kind of neat. But then I saw, um, the wheel deck and the, they have, it looks about 15 degrees, uh, either way of adjustment. But if you look at how that is built, it is just a pile of hot garbage. Um, you put <laughs> anything like you. It looks like if you put any kind of any any kind of weight on your steering wheel, that thing is going to fall out of adjustment in about three months' time. It's just going to wear out those little tiny nubs. Um, and I and to me that is just an epic fail. Um, you just you can't have that kind of. It's just I don't know. It just seems extremely cheap. It looks. You know, like they're trying to go kind of fancy, but uh, that one picture of the wheel deck, uh, uh, thumbs down for me, man. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the that one that kind of folds up. You know, it just put in your living room and you fold it up under the couch or whatever. But it, it's like that, but more bulky and doesn't fold. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, is that like the one of the cheap play seats, like the cheapest play seat right. option that they have? Yeah, but that thing's like a hundred. Be better bucks. off with Placey, yeah. I think so. I think so. I mean, I guess it's a good try. Maybe they fix that wheel deck. I might be able to say something a little better, but yeah, that's kind of nix it for me. And uh, another thing is, you're really going to need to find a monitor solution for that as well. I mean, unless you're doing VR, um, what do you do with your monitors? There's no provision amount of monitor at all. Okay, let's go real low-tech, Brian. Yeah, if you want to go one that's not cookie-cutter at all, there's a company called the Frenchie Company. They have put out a um, an adjustable um, <laughs> cockpit, I guess. Um, this thing is the weirdest thing I've seen in a while. It looks like just a, f a flat folding piece of wood that's, I guess it's padded, that that can create certain angles for you to sit at. It advertises that you can run in a GT style or a formula style where you just fold it certain ways and your legs kick up higher, or uh, you can recline it back further to get different sitting positions. It's a very unusual thing. It almost reminds me like of a yoga mat that's folded. A lawn chair. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then there's a center post for your, um, for your uh, wheelbase. Um, looks somewhat sturdy. They have a uh, they have a they have a direct drive wheel on there, and I hope it I hope it stands up to the to that kind of pressures. But yeah, it's a it's a very unusual set. It's not super expensive, but there's really not a whole lot to it either. Yeah, I can pick it apart pretty quickly. It's kind of like a lot of the play seats. That post in the middle is not very good for three pedal driving. It, it, it interferes with with uh, being able to use the pedals. And also, where, what if you want to mount a shifter or extra button boxes, uh, keyboard, mouse? And you're pretty much sitting on the floor. I mean, the, your butt is, 
you know, one inch from the floor. Oh yeah, you're you're rolling off the floor, rolling around on the ground to get up from that thing. Yeah, this almost looks like a good portable option to me. That's a good point. Yeah, very portable, very you know, probably set up quick kind of thing. But for the price, two hundred ninety-eight dollars U.S. and it's Indiegogo. It's not even uh, real stuff, I think yet. Yeah, it's a concept that best <laughs> i was trying to stay out of this one because i kind of have the same feelings as the last one we just looked at <laughs> maybe just roll off this thing and throw it in the garbage we're totally bringing the heat today uh, we'll find something you like let's keep moving david next up we have a new track ir the five is out and i haven't written in read up on the details um, I know Greg was using Track IR for a while with a single monitor. He's since moved on up to work with uh, VR. So it's available. It comes with a track clip, track uh, as well as a bridge. It looks like a little clip that attaches to the top of your monitor. Um, so if you're interested in Track R, here's here's a link. Hundred and fifty bucks. I don't know. I mean, I've just never looked into it myself. I, I've always seen it out there, but I've never actually tried one. I've I've never tried it either. Um, I know Greg said it worked really well for him, and uh, it's it's really popular in the flight simulator groups. And that's what. Good. I'm sorry. I was, that's what I was going to say. It, it seemed like it would be a great product for flight sims, where you can really look around the cockpit of a vehicle and you know really get that ex that experience. Yeah, the one of the biggest issues, I, and I don't know if it was dealt with in this version or not. Uh, one of our old teammates had glasses, and it just did not work well with the glasses. I'm not sure about the older version. This version, the sensor either clips onto your like the earpiece of a headset, or if you don't use a headset, it will fit on the rim of a uh, baseball cap, and that's that's the sensors that this thing's looking for. So I don't know if glasses would make a difference on that, but I haven't I haven't tried any experience with this at all. It's probably using infrared light, so if those glasses are bouncing any infrared light, it could confuse them. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I'd love to hear from a listener who's actually tried this, so let us know. Uh, apparently, we got something epic coming from Track Racer. They posted up a picture on Instagram. Uh, I'm not 100% sure as to what I'm looking at because they don't give any description, but it's a box at the end of a rig. <laughs> it looks like it might be the whole... I don't, I don't even know. Like, is it the whole pedals or... You know, did I miss something? I have no idea what it is. It looks like a tubular rig. Maybe it's an update to their tubular rig. Uh, Could they do tubular and 8020? Uh, looks like they have a pretty nice adjustable pedal plate there, uh, similar to the other one we were just talking about that Barry's reviewing. Uh, but uh, who knows? But uh, you know, Track Racer has some great 8020. So I'm kind of you know anxious to see what they're uh, teasing us here. Well, no, sorry, David. Uh, at the bottom of this picture, um, there's a, you know, it, it's, it's like a black powder coat that this whole thing is, is colored in, but there's um, a silver ring along one of the bottom legs, and I see some holes just to the, um, just to the left of that silver ring. So 
it looks like there's some like adjustability to be able to uh, adjust the length of this thing between the seat and the pedals perhaps yeah 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 but i don't see why that would be where the pedals are sitting because the it looks like it's kind of almost, almost free floating does it look like that's actually going to sit on the ground and that pedal plate doesn't make a whole lot of sense why is there all that extra space underneath it yeah i don't get that either I, maybe you lower that all the way down if it's GT and it's up if it's formula or something. They're coming out with a foot kicker, and that's where you put it. <laughs> okay, let's keep moving. This one, okay, we got a video from Barry on the Sim uh, Racing Garage. This one is the DOF Reality H6, which is a 6DOF motion cockpit. And this is the one that is basically a seat and a wheelbase that are like hooked to these hydraulic kind of arms on every corner. There's like six arms across six different motors and it just jostles you all about. And it's one of the cheaper you know, six DOF uh, motion rigs that you can get at $3,800 US. Uh, and so Barry puts it through the, you know, Sim Racing Garage uh, review like he normally does. Um, I watched his video and his takeaway was it was flexy. It was sloppy. Don't expect precision moves with this motion sim is what his uh, takeaway was. But if you want something, you know, novelty and you just want to get in cheap and you, you want it arcadey like, this is great. Yeah, uh, I watched that video and Barry went into some details how it looks like they've cost, cost um, cut some costs on that thing. And he goes into that detail pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an entry level uh, six degree of uh, freedom type of system would be my, uh, would be my summary. Yep. Uh, initially, when we first saw these, I was pretty blown away by the design. But after seeing Barry's video here and how, like you said, he kind of pointed out some obvious, I don't know if you would call it design flaws, but uh, maybe it should have been done a different way, you know, that kind of thing. Well, uh, Will Gibson sent in a rig review and... Uh... I'll try to describe what I see here because I'm not sure what we're supposed to be looking at, but it's an office chair. You know, it's got your rollers on it like you want to roll around the room. Um, it's got a Fanatec pedals. I think they're the club sport pedals. And it's got a screen strap that goes from the base of the chair to the pedals. And I'm assuming that's to keep the pedals from sliding forward as you're racing with it. That'd be my guess. Or the seat from rolling backwards. It's a rolling seat. Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's definitely to keep the seat from rolling. I gotcha. So this it, is a Tony Gross kind of thing. It's still not as impressive as as the bungee cord for the for the pedals. That's true. I would hope it for a bungee. This is like a, a long nylon kind of strap that doesn't have any flex in it. But hey, it looks like it does the job. Yeah, I used uh, I used Crocs underneath the wheels of my office chair when I was in an office chair, uh, <laughs> using a strap. Uh, I could have probably strapped myself to my desk or something that would work. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> everybody's got some of these laying around. Why not? It it works, and that's one of those fold up, uh, 
you know, roll up to the couch um, uh, wheel stands that he's, uh, that he's got rocking. Yeah, like a play stand thing, yeah. Yeah, I love these homemade solutions to, to problems. It's a, they're great to see. Well, this next one's not homemade, but I'm looking through the website and I'm almost lost with the choices. It's crazy um, how much stuff they have. Yeah, it's a French company, but uh, the site's well done in English. Uh, all kinds of different options. They've got flight-specific uh, rigs. They've got racing-specific motion or D-box rigs. They've got, in fact, they've got do-it-yourself, design-it-yourself options. Uh, I'd love to see, uh, I'd like to get Bobby to check this site out because he's been designing his own rig. Uh, so that'd be pretty neat. A lot of neat options on here. Yeah, there is. Um, the 8020 rigs look like, uh, you know, SimLab clones, so to speak. Uh, but they're fully functional and they look, you know, complete. Uh, the cheapest one was $776, it shows. Uh, but the more expensive ones can go up to, it looks like, 1200 for the best one. Yeah, they're, the mounting for the Derive is a little bit different than the SimLab design, at least the, the one I've got. Uh, it doesn't look as like there's as much profile there. It's a little bit smaller. It's only, the, only uh, two, two wide instead of three wide, basically. And it's top mount or bottom mount instead of side mount as far as I can tell. Yeah, apparently they offer a D-Box as well. Um, they even have a, a picture that shows they offer a direct drive wheel, but if you click it, there, it says product not found. But I really think this company, yeah, I love their rigs. I mean, they have some great rigs here to look at. The website is jcl-simracing.com. And if you're one of those guys that's been, that's like in the market right now, uh, who knows? They may have a little bit more availability. It, I know everybody's having a, is in a pinch as far as um, the uh, production times. But at the top, they say our prepar preparation times are usually running seven to fifteen days, depending on orders. So, and that's that's a fairly recent update. I think it took yeah. me longer. It took me longer to get my my rig. Yeah, they have some good stuff. Who else has some good stuff, Tony? Well, we uh, continue on our travel around the world with uh, these different companies. The next up is M-SIM, I-M-SIM, S-I-M dot E-U dot com. And they are another company that, uh, you know, will rent out uh, their rigs and stuff. They got, uh, um, looks like they, from what I can read anyways, that they've got like their own software that they run on this stuff. It's all proprietary to what that for their rigs and um but it looks like they uh offer three uh dof um motion rigs and you know it's it's that whole rental experience yep and they're out of portugal um and uh they have some pretty cool looking rigs um that i don't know if i've spotted before including uh, they even have one that's kind of in a, in a Formula One style car. You know, the actual looks like an entire car and all that. So, yeah, if you're in Portugal, uh, they can hook you up. They got uh, even they have the seat belt tensioners, too. So pretty cool to see what's going on with sim racing in some of these other countries uh, that we haven't seen before. 
Yeah, they look like they have uh, low frequency emitters as well on the back for uh, some extra vibration. Okay, uh, next up, we have some takers. Uh, we see in the forums, uh, people have uh, pre-ordered the HP Reverb G2 VR headset. And uh, Gary Tall, who is one of them from the UK, uh, Gary, uh, we've talked about his stuff in the forums before. He'll definitely give us a good review of those goggles. Uh, but there's a few others there as well. Uh, Brody Pennington got some. He's from uh, uh, Great Plains. Yeah, I know somebody else who pre-ordered it. This guy. What? You too? Yes, sir. I pre-ordered it a couple weeks ago. Uh, can't wait for it to come in. It's due in the fall. Um, I have the G1 HP Reverb, the, the first generation VR headset. And uh, this one is supposed to be, you know, pretty good as far as the upgrades that it's made. As far as sound goes, it uses the uh, the speakers that are uh, that come with the um, the best uh, system out there. Uh, it's the uh, the optics are supposed to be uh, greatly increased too. So yeah, it's 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 supposed to be really good. I'm happy with my G G1, but I can also see where there's can be some improvements, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and we got a, a video on from on YouTube here that I think you found uh, kind of a preview uh, where the guy goes into detail about this uh, product and uh, what to expect. Yeah, that's uh, Sebastian Ong's YouTube channel. He does a MRT, MRTV, which is a, a mixed, mixed reality um, review uh, website. And I've I've watched quite a few of his videos, and uh, he gives a he gives a, a really good review. He's got a prototypes for it. It doesn't quite have everything that's um, that the new one has as far as um, software updates and stuff. But even the prototype, he said, is is just fantastic. He he he, he uh, recommends it over the Valve Index, which I guess would be the next best commercially available VR headset. And uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So how much is it? It's 5.99, which basically was the same price as the last one before. Um, it's uh, as a, compared to the Valve Index, which again, which would probably be the next best competitor, which runs about a thousand dollars. Right. Okay. This next one blows me away. I said, take my money. So this next review is, this guy is basically modeling a, uh, a whole office with the sim rig in it, TV monitor and everything in a scale of probably about two inches for the whole rig. It's, and, and the detail on it is unbelievable. It's fantastic. He's even got a cell phone on the on one of the uh, desks, and you know he's using a pair of tweezers to uh, to manipulate some of these parts. And it's just it's unbelievable. It's great craftsmanship and artwork. This um, if you have a wife that likes to collect dollhouses, you just say, "Hey, look, this has to go in it." I need my rig room. So. We found it, the Twitter of the guy who made it, and there's and there's pictures, uh, he uh, close-up pictures of this build uh, that he put up. It's just amazing, like you said, the detail. Uh, there's even like a, a surgical mask hanging on the wall there, you know, and here being at 2020. 
there's it's it's amazing the trash can has trash in it it's it's fantastic it's it's amazing work i love this kind of stuff and the cords the power cord and the power strip and the cords going into it and it makes it all so realistic and like if you didn't know if you didn't see his finger in the picture you might not know that this is a miniature you know that's how good it is yeah you got the wires coming off the uh off the wheel and everything and you know there's some pretty crappy cable management so that would cover about probably about 80 or 85 percent of us um <laughs> it's just cool the, like you said the attention to detail is is, is great <laughs> i want one of these to like sit in my office and uh so take my money okay we're gonna skip in the time of uh, in interest of time to fantasy Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Oh boy, oh boy. What a weekend it was, let me tell you. Um, got a little bit of movement. And uh, I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm a little biased about this, but the most important movement is I have officially moved into the first first place what? spot. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I had a... But what can I say? My day was up and down. Um, I don't. I, I keep playing Kyle Busch, <laughs> thinking he might get something done. I don't know. Maybe he's, uh, you know, doing his impression of Jimmy Johnson this year. Um, but hey, he's uh, he's burned me a few times. So I, I gotta hope that he's gonna, you know, come around here sometime. But he uh, that that one hurt. And but. Uh, when it when the uh, you know when the when the dust settled at the end of the at the end of the race, it actually worked out pretty good for me. Um, with uh, Cole passing everybody on the outside, I didn't have him in my lineup, but uh, because of him winning, it uh, it was able to to get me some more points, get me ahead of um, just in time. But uh, not too much of a real shakeup with the top ten. But it is an absolute tight race right now. Like there is only at 400 points um, from first to tenth, and you know, two races, and you know, that that tenth person can be right in the top spot. Uh, it, it really can happen, you know, just that fast. But uh, let's just do a quick rundown. Um, myself's in first, obviously. Justin Time, he's uh, in second. Now that's we're talking eight point difference right now it's um <laughs> it is not much at all uh jedi mcfly that's mr scales he's in third gi jojo smiling ninja is uh fifth place followed by laird racing romance girl kbm 54 res dog and carrie c y'all it rounds out the top 10. mike you're hanging tough there and uh 12th place you've been there for the last uh you know a few weeks good that you're not you know falling down the list but uh um maybe you're not uh you know taking advantage of your uh your garage in those uh opportune times when you could i'm not yeah i'm usually missing these races i'm not watching them live so i'm not able to do that so yeah i'm not surprised i'm not moving up but at least i'm not dropping anymore i'm actually uh, submitting picks every week, so. 
Nope, and that's good. Hey, that's 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 half the battle right there. Just getting those picks in will uh, will keep those numbers rolling for you. And um, I see uh, Tony Rochette. He's slowly making his way up. I think he ended that up missing good. a bunch of races, but uh, he's slowly making his way up. But there's, uh, you know, he's he's still got time. There's still lots of racing left this season, but um, the top ten is uh, absolutely like just on fire right now it's it's so interesting um and if you follow the 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 live standings throughout the race um you can watch everybody you know kind of move up and down and it's you know it's it's based on that that race not the not the overall standings but um man you go from like stage one to you know with 20 to go and you know somebody that was leading could be just you know right at the bottom of the list and um yeah just it, it it makes watching those races just even that much more exciting well especially when you get a you know kind of a race like uh we had on sunday it was a bit of a snooze fest except for the you know last couple of laps that was pretty that was pretty good so being able to keep track of the fantasy while you're going through there kind of keeps those eyes open for those boring laps there you go all right well uh a new points leader go get it Let's jump into results uh, next. We're going to talk NASCAR iRacing Series Open uh, Kentucky. Let's finish up Friday Open. David, you got a P10. Yep, this one went uh, okay. I don't remember if I was top split on this one or not. I don't think it was. Uh, there was a caution right in the middle of green flag pits, though, that trapped me a lap down. I had to take the wave around and race around a whole lot of people and was only able to climb back up to about 10th. I uh, was running probably fifth or sixth before that, but it still, it was still a good run. Okay, and I got P18. It was my best result of the week, which is a bummer because I've been having some good runs lately. But uh, P18, yuck. Uh, cautions didn't help. Uh, was on track to get a better finish, but the yellow came out while on pit road. Uh, same thing that happened to you. Tony Rochette, he got P11. He said caught up by a spinning car late in the race. It was a caution fest. Man, those five to six lap cautions at 50 mile per hour suck. And let's talk real quick, David, about the cautions. Uh, hey, we still don't have Lucky Dogs called out by the spotter. That's broken. Uh, what else is broken? Just too many laps, right? Yeah, I've got a post on it on the forums that I'm, I'm, I'd like for... Uh... I'll talk about that in final thoughts, but yeah, there, there's a post on, and there's just it's just running an extra lap that it did not run before, and we've said before we're starting to beat a dead horse now because we said before they made Pocono great, but then they made all the other tracks take forever because uh, we're sitting there for four laps when if it was an early caution it used to only be two laps if there was no lap car and three laps if there was a lap car. But now, if that green comes out, or if the yellow comes out on lap two, you're sitting burning up another four laps, and it's definitely slowing down the amount of times that the races are having to take. It's great if you're damaged, because you can get you can get a whole lot more damage. Before, you basically could only do one extended pit stop, and maybe come in and get tires the last time around. Now you can do two complete pit stops where you, you get to wait for the whole field to, to drive all the way around. So, I mean, if that's, I, I don't think they've done it that way on purpose. So, especially after taking away a lap from places like Pocono and Indy. Yep, 
And on Sunday Open, uh, Tony Rochette, P9, he said he was top 10 all race, stayed away from the cautions, took tires on the green-white checker, restarted 15th, got the P9. And then David, you were top split, P13. Yep, caution free, and so I was 13th place car. Caution free, man. Can't be dinking around in those races. Uh, Tom Dryling got a P6, nice run for him, running on some fumes. Uh, from running the Spa 24, he went right into the early NIS race. Uh, was able to work on a top 10 after a bad week at Kentucky. Good run, Tom. Let's jump to New Hampshire this week, uh, Wednesday Open. Uh, David, you were wrecked out. Yeah, I got caught up in one first that happened just in front of me, and the guy came down and, and I almost dodged him and hit him with the side of my car. And that actually took a little bit of horsepower, but I was already irritated with the set uh we were top split and I, the set was just i guess too tight i i thought i had loosened it up but no and and once i actually got to run a long green flag run i was almost lapped at the beginning of the race and so i was just frustrated uh then we're at the end uh, situation i'm up i'm up a little bit I, don't, I didn't take the last set of tires and a guy locks his brakes up hits me and immediately and is immediately apologetic he's apologized for me three times and you know how it is if we all make mistakes and when somebody comes out and says yeah i screwed up it's usually over for me and that's the case here because he he's He's a habitually clean driver, and we all we all have mistakes. It's not it's not we've we've got some names that we know are constantly causing problems, but he wasn't one of those guys. So I was I was more upset most of the night because of how bad the set was driving. Yeah, the set was not bad through getting in or through the center, but coming off late, it was tight, tight. You had to like pedal just keep it off the wall. It's it was tight. Uh, I ran. I got P nine really happy with a top 10 man cautions 20 cautions guys for 98 laps in a 167 lap race that had three green white checkers 20 cautions um more than half the race was run under caution it was because of the problem with the extra lap as well that david described it was really bad at new hampshire when we had this many cautions uh but uh, I got involved in all kinds of stuff, but I really never got damaged. I had this tiny amounts of damage, but it drove up my incident count and I ended up with a drive-through penalty with 24 to go, but was able to make it back up to ninth with all the carnage. All right, Thursday open today, I ran, I got P19. This was a much better run than yesterday because David, you worked on the set and you came up with something that was loose 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 it was almost we were pedaling loose off the corner it was loose loose for you it felt fine to me <laughs> i got loose once um set was great i got taken out though by a by a dude this was a really low strength of field top split um in fact this guy that took me out has a d license a d499 license i don't know if he's new to the series or not but um we're on a restart and and he's on the outside lane and he just turns down really early and i'm a late apexer and he, he, he takes me out and blames me so i had everybody including somebody that's basically one of the most respected top split nis drivers look at the replay and say no it was on him so not too worried about it but it it, it sucks because i was running top five in a, in a top split yeah and i was up there at one point, David, uh, we, we had a longer run and 
and that set was coming in. I mean, we were, I think we were like 10th and 11th, and we, we quickly moved up to like 5th and 6th or something. Yeah, it, it held up because it wasn't murdering the right front like it was last night. Yep. I was uh, had a clean race going, uh, but I took tires with, I think, 30 to go. It kind of put me back to like 17th and then got wrecked. And then I got dive bombed and destroyed it by somebody else. And uh, yeah, and it ended up P19. So uh, Tony Rochette, he ran as well with us. He got P18. He said, ran around like a good little hamster, but self spun and caught in a wreck, killed my speed. Damn it, no top 10, gonna have to run another. He actually spun on new tires uh, on that set, but that set, I, I I never spun, but I had a couple moments where I almost did, and I had to catch it. So, yep, it's the higher horse package or higher horsepower package, so you cannot stomp the throttle, or you'll go around. Looking forward to Friday. Hopefully, my luck will be a little better, and I think I can get a top five and beat that ninth. So we're gonna try again. Let's talk official, David. You got a P1 at suzuka and daytona yep yep um a couple of tracks that i run a little bit better at and then daytona i did get a favorable split i was the top ranked car and in in road racing with that i have the cautious to shuffle things up sometimes the i rating is a pretty good predictor and I, I got on the pole and never got passed uh i ran a couple official races as well i ran the sprint car at milwaukee and I was humbled and embarrassed. Um, I don't belong out there. I ended up with the split with all the guys that are really good. And uh, I was dead last, started dead last. And the entire field just drove away from me. And then I was out there pretty much by myself since I'm a second off pace or however slow I was. Uh, I eventually wrecked after about 15 laps and stuffed it in the wall and uh, walked away with my tail between my legs kind of thing. But man, I love that car. It's so freaking hard to drive and uh, that disproves it. Next, I ran the NASCAR Legend Series. I'm going for points. I think I'm 10th in Division 2. Uh, but this week, uh, P11, I'll take it at Martinsville. One and done, guys. I, I wasn't a fan of Martinsville. Uh, trying to get that car to turn around Martinsville is a joke. It's like a freaking tank, man. Uh, you just drive down to one end and you stop and turn that car around and you go down to the other end and stop and do the same thing. And that's kind of how it goes. But at one point, uh, we were 18 on the lead lap. I was running 12th. The caution came out. The, the pace car picked me up like I was a leader, but I was 12th. I was stuck behind the pace car and I didn't even get a wave around. And I actually ended up starting back to green as the lead car in line, but running 12th. I don't know if this is broken. Is that how it's supposed to be? I don't even have a clue, but uh, it was odd because the leader was several cars back in the restart. And it wasn't like I was slow, uh, you know, coming around to the caution when the caution came out or anything like that. It was just, I think it's broken, and I think iRacing needs to take a look at that. Never seen anything like it. And with that, let's jump to final thoughts. Uh, Brian McCubbin, what do you got? Well, it's uh, good to be back from vacation. Um, I haven't raced in uh, over a week now. I'm super itching. Um, 
you know, the first couple of days after vacation have been nothing but trying to catch up with stuff. So I've been so busy, I haven't been able to get on. But I'll be back on uh, racing this week. At the end of the week, we'll try New Hampshire out for it for me. Um, I have uh, got my um, Twitches set up. It's going to be McRubbins Racing. That's uh, M-A-C-R-U-B-B-I-N-S-R-A-C-I-N. And that's where I'll be uh, posting my uh, Twitch stuff at. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting that up. So that's with that's with two B's, two B's and two R's. <laughs> I like that, just like the, just like Greg. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. One X. That's it, huh? No, I got more, <laughs> but I had I had to have the. They're not even going to hear the dramatic pause because it's going to get pulled out in the editing. Um, I may go back and put that in. Because I'm also the guy that's been doing the sound editing recently. And so I did want to toot my horn a little bit on on that. If you notice, we have a new theme song. And um, didn't have to worry about copyright or anything because I wrote it and performed it. I had a friend actually cover the guitar parts. Uh, but the, that's me on the drums. So um, that's our new theme song. Uh, I wanted to toot my horn on that. And also, I do have a forum post up about the cautions. Go bump it. Say, yeah, this is a problem. Just get get their attention. Um, their, their attention's being pulled in 500 directions. So usually the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. Yeah, help David out. Let's get this uh, caution problem fixed for our NASCAR races because it's really a bummer having to do those extra laps. Well done on the music, David. I, I think the theme song is working out real well, and uh, you're, you doing the editing has really been helpful, so thank you. All right, uh, Tony Groves, final thought. I'm just going to plug the Aftermath show. Um, we, uh, well, definitely this weekend, probably for the, uh, for the considerable future, I guess, as you could say, um, we are going to have to move our uh, recording date. Normally it's on Fridays, or sorry, every other Friday. Um, but it looks like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bump that a day to accommodate uh, Chris's new job, because he's working afternoons right now, so we just can't make that work. So we'll be recording on Saturdays. Um, hopefully, that's gonna be our day. That's not set in stone yet, but uh, that's what's gonna happen this week. And uh, if that goes well and it works for uh, for Chris and Tony, we'll we'll keep it at Saturdays uh, for the time being. But uh, yeah, things been good. Uh, people, uh, people are listening to it, so that's good. Um, <clears throat> love to hear some feedback, so hit us up on the uh, on the iRacers Lounge podcast uh, Facebook page and uh, give us some feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. We'll we'll take it all. Yeah, I definitely Jack, enjoy it. it. Yeah, get that extra content, guys. Uh, we're only on here for two hours with the iRacers Lounge. We used to be an hour and a half, but man, there is so much stuff. And uh, but Tony, you you got and Chris and and the other you know, <clears throat> you guys do a good job over there uh, talking about stuff, and it's always fun to listen to. Yeah, I mean, um, that's what it was all about, eh? We just the three of us uh, always you know spend a lot of time just on team speak and stuff during races, just chewing the fat, and that's all we're doing. It's just a uh, just a few guys kind of sitting around, you know, drinking beer and and slinging mud at each other. Um, uh, very rarely can we ever, you know, stick to a topic. We're constantly going in every direction, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. 
All right, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, just follow up on my uh, bezel free kit I got from Asus for $110. Uh, still rocking it, still enjoying it. And uh, it's a little weird, you know, doing the podcast because, you know, part of the windows behind it and it kind of magnifies it and I can't really see the scroll bar very well. But, you know, it's just a little inconvenience for when I'm racing. It, I don't see the bezels, and uh, it really is a, adds a little bit more immersiveness that I didn't have before. So overall, I, I'm, I'm happy with the purchase. I don't think it's worth $110. I think Asus would be better off trying to sell this for maybe 50 bucks or less, and they'd probably sell some. But uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, as far as the Sprint car at Milwaukee, man, that was, like I said, was a humbling experience. and. It goes both ways, man. You get a top 10 at New Hampshire in the NASCAR iRacing series. You've done some, and you, you know you, you're an oval racer. But when you go out at, you know, in the sprint car in Milwaukee, and these guys are a second, a second and a half faster per lap than you, and you can barely keep the car under you, you know you got a lot of work to do. And uh, boy, iRacing is humbling. And I think, uh, you know, like I said before, if it was easy, nobody would do it. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.